you need to know as a business owner, you need to know that if uh, someone, if Sally is taking the bank deposit at night and God forbid she has a wreck and she only has state minimum limits, you know, or her liabilities, you know, $50,000 and she kills someone and they come back and sue her well, for a death, you're going to have a million dollar lawsuit. Yeah. So you come back, she had $50,000 policy, and they find out, well, she was working for this business, you know? Say she was working for old school. Yeah. And uh, then they come back and sue old school. Well, if Mm -hmm. you didn't have hired and non-owned on your policy, which means anything that you own as a, hired and non-owned as a business, um, you're not going to be covered. So you're going to write that check. Hired and non-owned, $100 endorsement for the year ain't, it covered you, yeah. you know, so uh, the thing. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Good morning, John Lee. Good morning, Jeremy. Man, it is great to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Man, I appreciate your time and coming here very early in the morning to do this uh, podcast with me. And uh, man, I, you know, I just got to always, always like to start off and telling people that I really always appreciate their time because time is a commodity we can't buy more of and we darn sure don't get a refund on it once spent, right? Nope, sure don't. And you being an entrepreneur, and you you know that more than anybody else, don't you? Sure do. Oh, yeah. So, man, I appreciate you coming. I mean, you, you and I have known each other now almost a decade, right? Eight years. Eight years. Nine years. Yeah. Where did we meet? TCU. TCU. Matter of fact, I, I wore you, my you TCU wore your, polo today yeah. in honor of you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, because I didn't have a Marine Corps polo to wear. (laughs) Right? Right? That's true. So you and I have known each other almost a decade, and we met at TCU doing our MBAs. And uh, I remember when we first met, one of the things we instantly had in common was? The Marine Corps. Marine Corps. So, man, tell, tell me about that. How do you, you know, what is the journey of John Lee's life from kid to Texas A&M to United States Marine Corps to entrepreneur. And, man, what's that, what was that like for you? Uh, probably uh, craziness, madness. <laughs> uh, well, I got out of, when I got out of A&M, the wall had just come down. And so I was in the Corps of Cadets, and uh, I didn't take a contract. And so I got out and worked for uh, Merrill Lynch and for KPMG Pete Morrick doing consulting. And I was bored to death and I wanted to do something exciting. So uh, I was on a long-term project. I was commuting between Austin and uh, Michigan every week. And so I went and uh, I called uh, two of my buddies, one of my buddies that was in the Navy, the other one was in the Army. And I said, uh, hey, I said, what's the hardest service to go into? You know, if I'm going to do this. They said, I'll go to the Marine Corps. And uh, so I did. I went, stopped and talked to Oso and uh, Lansing, and I actually processed through Michigan, of all places. And uh, so that's how I went and uh, got started. And, uh, you know, I was one day I was rolling through uh, the woods with my rifle and camo gear, and I looked at my clock and said, you know, I'd be wearing a suit and tie right now. 
And here I was all duded up playing Army, playing Marine. <laughs> playing Marine. <laughs> Except for you were in the title. Yeah. So once a Marine, always, always a Marine. Marine. Why re-enlist, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always true. a joke I like to make to generals when I see them, you know, folks that have done just a total career. So you 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 go to what would you major in at A&M? Accounting. Accounting. Wow. Could you have picked anything else that was more exciting than accounting? Tell me about that. Uh, my dad is a CPA, and so that's the only thing. I, uh, I'd always wanted to be a vet uh, growing up. But I knew I wasn't smart enough to get into vet school. So my senior year in high school, I said, I got to do something. I got to figure out something where I can, I can work. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you know, dad has a CPA firm. I can always get a job. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is I, I, the counselors at A&M, you know, when they go down, they tell your parents, oh, he'll change majors five times before he graduates. And I looked and I said, no, I won't. I'll graduate with a degree in accounting. She said, you'll change. And I'd graduate with a degree in accounting. It was like challenge accepted. Exactly. Right? You know, I yeah. didn't do the best in all my classes, but uh, and I, then, I saved that for grad school. <laughs> and then fast forward to TCU Executive MBA when it came time for accounting, you were probably very loved on your team. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was I was, yeah. I was, was teaching and uh, uh, was a doctor. Who was teaching accounting? Stout. Then? I forgot what his name was, but he was ac- excellent. And short, it, short, short. That's yeah. what it was. At. Dr. Short. Yeah. And it all it all came back. I mean, yeah. it, it all just started rolling back the debits, the and, debits credits, and credits and credits and, and everything. And, and, um, yeah. So I, I love that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it was funny. My parents said, um, you know, we should have made you pay for your undergraduate because um, I did well at TCU. Yeah. <laughs> third in my class. And that was only because I had a B plus and uh, statistics. <laughs> oh, man. So when we were going through, I had Mike Field on my left and Matt Houston on my right, as you remember them, right? So just for audience sake is John and I were doing our MBAs together, but we were overlapping classes. So he was several months ahead of me from when he started. So we were there together, but our, we it's cohort. So you're in there with the same folks from the beginning to the end. So I had Mikey Field and Matt Houston and, and you know, both just some of the most intelligent people you ever met in your life and just incredibly successful. And as you know, Mike should be like an underwear model, you know. I mean, the dude gets in shape by breathing, right? <laughs> and he just makes you hate guys like that when you're just like, man, I got to go run like a gajillion miles just to try to lose like an ounce of fat. And this guy wakes up and loses weight by breathing and looks like a centerfold model, right? Genetic. Su- yeah. And an, <laughs> an entrepreneur, just, man, just everything he touches turns to gold. So, and then here's me, Mr. Class Clown, always joking around and always doing, you know, doing what Span does, right? <laughs> and so, anyhow... The first two semesters, um, they put out the dean's list, and I'm on the dean's list. And he's like, how is this possible? Because I sit next to you. You don't work that hard. <laughs> and it was just, you know, it was just always kind of kind of funny. And then um, I think one semester I didn't make the dean's list, but I printed up a fake dean's fake list thing just to put it in front of him. He's like, that's fake. And he would just get wound up. But, man, talk about a program that just, you know— I know for me personally, it elevated everything that I did and changed my entire world. I mean, what about you? I mean, what did the 
MBA program at TCU do for you? Well, number one, I, I love learning. I, I constantly read stuff, watch stuff, uh, love learning. I, you know, I think I get that from my parents. They're in their mid-80s, and they read every day. They, they still quest, have a quest for learning new things and, and studying. And so I think it's, it's hereditary. Um, but the MBA was such a great program. It, it really helped me hone my skills to think strategically. And it, basically it told me uh, I got I to gotta do things that I don't have to work in every day. Um, and so, you know, like our friends that are doctors and lawyers and accountants that have to physically do something to get paid – you know, that kind of what got me into the r- restaurant business and I uh, was owning something that I didn't have to physically work in all the time. And uh, so it, it just changed the way my whole for developing businesses moved forward. Man, so let's let's go back a few steps here. And um, man, you know, I'm, I'm new at this podcast thing. Right. And uh, and I want to make sure everybody gets their love. And so there's there's three love I got to send out. First, Aaron Greger, who um, I'm going to put on my readers here so that way I enunciate this right. This is what happens when we get old and almost 50, right, John? That is correct. Is, you can't hear, can't see. But Aaron Greger with Innovation Media Enterprises, she's the one helping us out with this podcast. And she has been absolutely awesome through all this. And... It makes it actually, that's the reason I wanted to go back to this, because the biggest thing that what my biggest takeaway from our MBA was they didn't really focus on teaching us to be subject matter experts at any one particular business skill. They taught us to be subject matter experts at asking the right questions. And then you can always go find someone who can give you the exactly. answers, right? And so when I met Erin two months ago, um, that's all she did. I mean, she was the question queen, right? She would just ask questions, 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 questions. And I loved it because like you said, we have a thirst for learning. But I think we are intellectually stimulated when people ask us questions that make us think. Mm -hmm. And then she was able to go and process and then come back and say, I think this is your audience, and I think this is what you're looking to accomplish. So I felt like she parted my brain like the Red Sea and dove in and said, this is where you're going with this. And it was just such a relief to have a professional that knew how to ask the right questions that would lead to something that could just absolutely be dynamic, right? And I and and I've wanted to do a podcast for two years. And how I met Aaron was through Rebecca Bridges, who's the manager here at City Central. So for the audience that doesn't know what City Central is, it's it's a you know co-shared workspace. So people might have heard of WeWork or Regis or any of these others. And so I knew Rebecca from uh, the Fort Worth Club. She worked at the Fort Worth Club, and I've been on the membership committee for several years. You are the unofficial mayor of the Fort Worth Club. I, I've heard this. That's the rumor. And uh, I would run for official mayor of Fort Worth, but Laura would absolutely murder me if I ran for politics, right? <laughs> she would just, she's like, I'm not living that lifestyle. Not going to happen. So Rebecca left the Fort Worth Club, came over here, 
And so she had reached out and said, man, I want you to come check this place out, see what I'm doing now, because she's just, she's an awesome human being. Like, you know, for guys like you and I, you know, that served in the Marine Corps, you know, what people don't realize is like, man, thank you for your service. And we're like, hey, thanks for being worth it. But they don't realize a lot of times is we're serving in a role that when we show up, it's never because of good news, right? No. You know, so we go see the worst the world has to offer to deal with that. So when we're back here being civilians again, when you meet people that are just great human beings, it's just, man, it warms your heart, right? And Rebecca's one of those great human beings. So she brings me over. She's giving me the tour here on the fourth floor at 600 West 6th Street in downtown Fort Worth. And we come into this room we're in now, this podcast studio. And I was like, tell me more about that. And then she connected me with Aaron. And then here we are today. At six in the morning, <laughs> doing a recording. So I've got love that's gone to Aaron and Rebecca, and the third love goes out to my father-in-law, James Van Hook. So I'm going to call this the JVH joke of the day. So last night we were at dinner, and he said, "You got to tell a joke. You always got to tell a joke." And he's old school, right? He's in his seventies, and he's an engineer, and he's just like, "You got to tell a joke." So here's the joke. What do dentists call their x-rays? It's six o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Tooth picks. Okay. See, this would be like an episode of dad jokes where they try to make each other laugh, but you don't laugh. So I, I failed in that. So, all right. So we've got, we've got, we've got the JBH joke of the day out, right? So let's go back to one other person you got to send your love out to, your wife. Oh, man. Laura. Every day. I mean, where would I be in this planet without her? Um, Dead. Or in jail. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Who knows? A number of different places. Your 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 north star. <laughs> Do you know how many dudes absolutely hate me because I'm married to Laura? They're like, "You outpunted your coverage." Like this the math doesn't add up, right? Like the math doesn't add up. And I'm like, "I know." And I'm grateful for that every day. You know, I mean, to not only have a beautiful fun, charismatic wife, which she wouldn't describe herself as charismatic because she's like you. They she can could totally be, out-PT you. Oh, man. Dude, she's a <laughs> marathon runner, you know, just super awesome at everything, business partner. And, you know, and as you know, I mean, with our history is how many transitions I've been through in life from Marine Corps to the police department to that one organization I'll leave not named that I left the PD for <laughs> to now in real estate and doing a podcast. She's just so supportive of everything. And then our great daughter, who's just awesome, just a good, fabulous human being. And everybody's like, man, she's a sophomore in college. What's she majoring in? I said, she's majoring in having a good time. That's what <laughs> she's doing, right? And, um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I couldn't be more grateful and you know and we're glad that we have friends like you that we get to share that with you know you're like our movie buddy right yep. i mean we go do movies that's what we did sunday yep. and 
you know, and man, it was just nice to be back in the oh, movie It was great theater. to be back after six. It's, uh, they were saying this morning, it's, it's been six months now. Yeah. Since the whole coronavirus. Coronavirus. Came pandemic out. world. We're going to come back to that because I really want to talk about the world pre-COVID and the world post-COVID, right? But I really, so this podcast is to focus on you, right? And I mean, just, I'm, I'm inspired by folks that have not just got on the regular train tracks and rode the train to wherever they were going, but instead made paths, right? So you go to A&M, you major in accounting, you don't do anything accounting related, you go get a job, and then you go in the Marine Corps. How many years do you do in the Marine Corps? Uh, right at 10. You did 10? Yeah. I didn't, how did I not know this? Oh. And so, like, you're in my fate five, right? And how did I not know this? I told you before. I'm a great listener. Right? <laughs> I'm a great listener. I listen I to everything forgot. everybody's telling me, right? <laughs> I have, I'm so wound up in my own space that I totally forgot it. Totally forgot. Ten years as a Marine Corps officer. What did you do in the Marines? A communications officer. Communications. All right. Yeah. So, for the civilian world out there, what does that mean to them? Do anything with uh, radios, uh, telephones, uh, Communications, computers got brought into it. Anything to make the commander be able to talk. All the vehicles, uh, my Marines went out with each of the infantry battalions, each one of the companies to, um, with the radio. They're the radio operator. So they can talk, so they can conduct the war. Um, they're out there with them. So uh, it and was what years, what years was that? that you were 96 in? through 2006. 2006. Yeah. Okay. Did you do any deployments while you are in? All the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the theme for a Marine, right? All the yeah. time, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been, been uh, all over the world, been to Iraq, been to, you know, did med floats, um, then Okinawa deployments, you name it. So what did the Marine Corps give you, or better yet, let me rephrase this. What did you earn in the Marine Corps? You earn everything in the Marines, right? I mean, nothing's given to us. You earned every step of the way. What did you earn in the Marine Corps that helped prepare you for the success you have today? No, it's just more determination. I mean, it's just hard things coming at you, starting at OCS, uh, hard things coming at you, and you just determine not to give up, keep going, no matter yeah. what. Um, you know, things get crazy. Um, Things start blowing up, guns start going off around you, and you stay calm. Yeah, you know. And I've I've been in situations back here in the states now, and people are freaking out all around me, and they're like, "How do you stay so calm?" And I'm like, "Nobody's trying to kill me." No <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that, and that's you just do. You, yeah. If you know, if you spaz, panic, you can't think. Yeah, don't yeah. let fear take over. Yeah, yeah, that's so, awesome. So then you get out of the Marine Corps in 2006. And what? I uh, decided that I wanted to own my own business. I didn't know what. Um, a friend of ours, family friend of ours, had an insurance agency, um, was wanting to think about selling. He had asked my brother-in-law, hey, what's John going to do when he gets out of the Marines? He said, he wants to own his own business. And he said, well, yeah. have him come talk to me. So I went and talked to him, and uh, he wasn't quite ready to sell. His sons were both coaches, and he was hoping that they'd come back and take over and they kept telling me we grew up together and his sons and I didn't I said bye we don't want it you know we love coaching that's where our passion is so um, I, I went came to work for him and then I wound up buying the agency and um, you know he had um, 
grown it. The agency is almost 50 years old, very well known in Cleburne. And uh, we've taken that and built upon it. And we've, you know, grown, gosh, I don't know how many percentage. What year did you buy it? Did you? Uh, 2012. 2012. 2012. And so then you've I, got eight years in this thing now. Yeah. And we've quadrupled the size and quadrupled the size. And we've really sat down uh, in the last couple of years and plotted out a, a, my vision and translated that on paper and uh, done everything that I learned in the MBA that I needed to do. Yeah. Uh, I hired a business coach uh, that helped me clarify, and we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk cool. about we'll talk about but Tony. Really, here really got <laughs> really got things going, and um, you know, I used the GI Bill to go to TCU, and uh, they had the yellow ribbon matching, so it made that very affordable. Yeah, and um, so that's just we've just been moving forward ever since. And know, then charging. you decided insurance wasn't enough that you would. Well, actually, I, I bought another company um, uh, that it lasted. My sister and I went and bought a company, and my older sister, who I love dearly, but we're a lot alike. Right. And uh, so that lasted about, uh, you know, the agreement was I was going to run it, and she was, you know, going to help with stuff, and then, you know, just family. You know, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I oh. finally said— you're either buying me out or I'm buying you out. <laughs> yeah. I love you to death and we're, I want to keep loving you. So <laughs> she bought me out. And so, <laughs> What uh, business was that? What kind of business? It was, was a it? crown molding. Crown molding. Uh, yeah, okay. they had yeah. crown molding. And yeah. uh, they made it and, and sold it and shipped it out and did online and stuff. And um, so that's when uh, we had several clients that had uh, Chicken Express restaurants. And uh, So he's clients of the insurance. Of the insurance, yeah. yeah, we, yeah. we do a lot of restaurant. Um, we do a lot of different you restaurants. You do my restaurants. And you do yours. That's true. You do all my stuff. Um, we do restaurants. Uh, we do independents like yours. We do franchises yeah. like Chicken Express. We do um, you know all types. We do Subways. We do Taco Bells. We do uh, Dairy Queen. We do a lot of Dairy Queens. Uh, Dickie's Barbecue. Any type of franchise, any type of independent restaurant, we do. We have a lot yeah. of markets that, that do restaurants. Um, but the owners of the Chickenese, they never seem to be working. They were always on the golf course. And I said, you know, I need some of these. <laughs> so I go back. My TCU MBA says, you know, yeah. own something where you don't have to work at it. These guys are playing golf all the time. And uh, I don't have time for golf, and it's too slow. Um but I you're like own me. These. You're ADD, like a squirrel oh. on methamphetamine. Yeah. You wouldn't make it past the ninth hole. I, no, anyways. I get You'd out about bored, the three, right? three, or, oh, yeah. Yeah. three or fourth hole, and I'm done. And it's I let like me go the drive the golf range cart. Or top golf is yeah. as good as it gets. Yeah, right? that's. that's <laughs> you know, we had some deployments where we got kicked off of uh, the base and the golf course in uh, Rota, Spain. As <laughs> you can imagine, Marines a have Marine been on, getting kicked out of somewhere. Uh, Say it isn't so. Uh, I'm shocked. Mar this is my surprise face. Yeah. Yeah. We've been on ship for five months and we get off. Can you imagine what happens? I think they had five golf carts that wound up in the lake. <laughs> it, the, you know, so you see what happened was, sir. <laughs> so you. Yeah, how many? So you start off with one Chicken Express. I start or? off with one. I built one, and um, now start. You know, tell me, starting off, was that a ground up or did you buy? We don't build. Built, uh, picked out the location. Picked out the location. And, and built Where was it. that one? And it's in Livingston, Texas. Livingston, Texas, down by Houston. Down by Houston. So, so you build your first. Yes. And then what happens? 
uh, I buy a second one that's existing. That's existing. Yeah, Where was in, that? In Baytown. Baytown. Yeah. Okay. And so down there by Houston. Down by Houston yeah. too. They're all in the same area. Yeah. Um, and then I built one in Dayton. Dayton, which okay. is about 15 minutes from Baytown. Okay. And then I built another one in, <clears throat> excuse me, Mont Bellevue, which is about 15, 12 miles away from Baytown. Got a little triangle going with those three. Okay. So, so you got uh, four chicken expresses. Got four chicken expresses. Um, yeah. Four headaches. Four headaches. <laughs> I can tell you, man, as a restaurant owner of nine and a half years, I have people, you know, so old school pizza tavern right across the street from University of Texas at Arlington, 45,000 college kids, pizza and beer. Like this thing's marine proof, right? Like I, I couldn't screw this thing up on my worst day. I have people come to me all the time, go, man, this is so awesome. I'd really like to own one of these. And here's what I tell them. I'm like, go down to the bank. So you're probably going to need like 40 grand out of pocket just to get started. Get 40 grand in $100 bills and come see me. And they're like, okay, why? And I said, I'm going to have you put that 40 grand in like a, to look like a brick and I want you to bite down on it. I want you to spread your legs and let me kick you right in the stones. And that's the best that money's ever going to taste. <laughs> right? You know, now chicken express is different dynamic, right? I mean, you know, faster able, you know, from, from theoretically from, faster, theoretically <laughs> faster, right? <laughs> Depending on who the staff is. And, uh, and so we've been very fortunate and I mean, you know, the old saying, sometimes it's better to be lucky than smart. And I have been lucky for nine and a half years, right? Like probably the best thing that I ever did was buy the property that it mm -hmm. sits on. So the real estate investment of it. And as you know, we've just like you've been through some management transitions. I went through a very hard one two years ago, almost to the date where a very good friend of mine, who was the general manager, just walks, right? And, uh, and it really, you know, just, man, it just really stung me. And, uh, and so without, you know, opening and unpackaging that box, what it did was create an opportunity where Jeremy, I mean, he has the same first name as me, Jeremy Washburn, has just been awesome at running it, right? So this guy you know, started basically as a dishwasher and has worked his way up to general manager. And now we're working through the process of him buying the business off of me just because he's just killed it. He's just awesome. And, you know, he, he just was able to show up and do what was expected and then go above and beyond. And then COVID hits. And instead of given up the guy has thrived and so now the business is where it's at nothing because of what i've done but everything of what he's done and that's you know that's the great thing about having the right people right and uh and then you know when things are in our way because this is a big topic i want to get to with you and i is you know ryan holiday you know uh the obstacle is the way you know, which is very attractive, I think, to all entrepreneurs, but especially guys like us, is the obstacle becomes the way. So we could sit there and cry over spilt milk or whatever the old sayings are, or you can do something about it, right? And obstacle is the way. Tell me, you and I, and I believe I gave you a coin that I bought 
off of Ryan. I brought a couple of coins to give out to some people that I, you know, that I knew really bought into Obstacle is the Lake. Tell me about Obstacle is the Lake. Um, I love it. Yeah, uh, I've listened to it uh, twice now, and I listened to it right before uh, COVID hit. Yeah, and then I listened to it uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, just to re- refresh, and uh, it's it's an awesome book, and I've I've shared it with a couple other people. And I mean, that's you. You sent it to me on Audible. Yeah, I'd, ne- my, my, I'd never even heard of Audible. <laughs> you yeah. need to listen to this, and so I yeah. downloaded it, and uh, just absolutely in- incredible. Uh, you know, uh, adversity. Is, it's, I'll take COVID. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was. I was. This is a great opportunity. This is an absolutely great opportunity for us. You know, people start laying off. People start. Uh, you know, panicking about jobs. Let's go out and grab talent. Let's, it's the time for us to grab talent. And that's what we've done. We've gone out at the insurance agency and the, and this restaurants, and I've used it for an opportunity to grab people that I probably wouldn't have been able to grab before. And it, that will, the right hires will take us to the next level. Tell me more about that of you got to hire people that you don't think you would have got before. Break break that down for me. Um, I grabbed we grabbed people that were going. We're a small organization. Um, you know, I have a I have a hundred employees, uh, restaurant wise, and I have ten at the agency insurance agency. And um, the caliber of people that we were that we wound up getting uh, could very well have gotten larger salaries, probably at a bit larger companies. And uh, they were more comfortable, wanted to come to a place where it had an owner that was involved. And it uh, wasn't being ran from afar um, because of the owner's involvement. Uh, I've had several people tell me, you know, the fact that you're here in the stores, uh, restaurant people uh, that have worked 20 years in the restaurant business and seen the owner once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. My restaurants see me, if not every week, every other week. And they're 250 miles away. So um, I do a lot of traveling. You do a lot <laughs> of traveling. Sometimes so, by car and sometimes, sometimes by plane. By plane, when the plane is not in the shop. Yeah, so, when the plane is not in as the shop. As it is right now. <laughs> so you fly? I fly. You're the, you're the pilot. I'm the pilot. Mm-hmm. So, so you didn't fly in the Marine Corps? No, did not. Got you my license out. Got my license before I went in the Marine Corps and as a, you know, had no money, so I quit flying-wise in the Marine Corps. And then um, when um, Katrina hit, yeah, um, I couldn't get down to my stores, and a good friend of mine has um, has a plane, and so we went to. Uh, he's like, uh, we actually flew supplies into Houston. Um, they had an organization of pilots were flying supplies into the smaller airports to get stuff in, and um, when we finished up, he took me down to my stores, and um, so we we got into my stores, and I left one of them six forty five at night. Walked back in my house at 8.30, and I called him back up and said, I got to start flying again. I need a plane. Yeah. Because had I had I driven, I wouldn't have gotten home till midnight. And uh, so it's just, it's been a game changer. I can go, you know, instead of leaving at 4 o'clock in the morning and spending 30 minutes at each store and getting back at 11 o'clock at night, I can, you know, I can go to the gym, my normal gym routine in the morning, uh, go to the office for 30, 45 minutes, 9 o'clock, get in the plane, fly the stores, uh, go to each one of them and come back by, you know, four or five o'clock in the evening. And uh, I did something that's fun. It's, uh, it's amazing to get up there in the clouds, above the clouds, and, um, and just see the whole world. 
it uh, gives you time to reflect, relax, and uh, move quicker from point A to point B. And more importantly, creating time. Creating time. So for successful people, the one common theme is we all feel like we're competing with the watch, right? We're competing with the hour hand, the minute hand, sometimes the second hand, sometimes the millisecond hand. And it just seems like we can never have enough time, right? So for you to create a couple of extra hours in the day, how important is that for you? It's important, very important. I mean, this morning I got up at 3 o'clock, was at the office by 3.45. Yeah. So I can get here at 6. Yeah. Because <laughs> you were going to go to the gym, but you know, Big Span said no. Yeah, you got to, you got to, you're going to come be on my podcast. Yeah. So just, I'll go to the gym. Later suck today. it up, Buttercup. You're coming. <laughs> you're, you're, we're going to come put you live, right? Yeah. So, what time do you normally get up in the morning? I get up about four fifteen. Yeah, at the gym by five. So let's talk. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about getting up, right? So, for example, is you know, we've been really successful in real estate, right? I mean, and the funny thing is a lot of people don't know is I've only had my license for coming up on four years. So four years, October 1st, I think it is. And now we're the highest producer. Laura and I are the highest producers for Sotheby's International Realty here for, and on top of that, so Briggs Freeman owns the Sotheby's franchise for the DFW Metroplex. And for two years in a row, we've been recognized as giving or at connecting more outgoing referrals to other agencies, other places in the country, and even international than any other agent or set of agents company-wide. And we're actually on a path now to be number one in all of Sotheby's International Global as being the number one producer of outgoing referrals, right? And so, then it, you know, people see all the great things we do in real estate. I mean, we've done over the trailing 12 months, we've done over 40 million. I think it's like over 42 million in volume. And so we have all these people that come out and go, man, I want to go do that, you know, that looks easy. You make it look easy. I want to go do that. And, you know, and me being just kind of the joke around guy that I am, I'm like, yeah, you know, knock yourself out, you know, do, do whatever. <laughs> Until people realize later how much work it is. Oh. Right. And we're getting up at four o'clock in the morning. And then people look at guys like you and I and be like, well, y'all get up early because you did that in the Marines. I could. I tell people all the time. In the history of ever, never did someone hate getting up at four a.m. more than me. <laughs> yeah, but you do what needs to be done in order to be successful, right? So at four a.m. and I don't even have an alarm. Like even without an alarm, I can't sleep past four fifteen. It just. I wake up. That internal clock goes, and it's like it's time to go to work. And I spend the first two hours of my morning doing nothing but market research, right? Reading headlines. I don't watch. I don't watch news. I don't watch. You know, CNN's going to cater their news to people on the left side of the world, and Fox is going to cater it to people on the right side of the world. And I'm not looking for skewed opinions. I'm looking for data, facts, right? The I'm facts. looking for data. 
And so I constantly collect that data so that way I have a real actual formulated idea of what's going on in the world, right? So I read Wall Street Journal, Associated Press, Reuters, Geopolitical Futures, and there's a number of them that I just, I go through. And then each morning I also read, you know, my daily, you know, from Ryan Holiday, you know, stoicism is like, you know, what's the lesson of the day, right? But that getting up at four o'clock in the morning is so important because when I speak to people, whether it's in a public setting or personal setting, and they go, what is one of the biggest drivers of success? I go, I can't put more minutes on the watch, so I have to take advantage of them as much as I can. And the one time I'm not disturbed is from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. And so that's when I get it. That's when I go in because me being in the business I am in starting at 8, that thing starts ringing and it doesn't stop. stop. It yeah. doesn't stop for the next 12 hours, right? Uh, so we went on a dove hunting trip with some buddies uh, uh, weekend before last, opening weekend. And so driving out to Throckmorton, Casey Donahue's place, you know, the country mm-hmm. singer, he's got a place out there. We're going out. We got 10 of us and four of us that are in my truck. And my buddy Alex, we halfway there. And he goes, Jesus, man, does your phone never stop? He said, I've seen no less than a hundred text messages pop up in the last hour. And I said, man, that's, that's called Normal a Tuesday. Day. <laughs> it's called a Tuesday, baby. You know, and you know, but that's a part of that. See, people don't see all that. They see the results of the great things that we do. They don't see the wizard behind the curtains of Oz. Now see the 250 emails that come in in one day. In a day. In a day. Right. In a day. Yeah. And so that getting up at four o'clock in the morning, if you want to be successful, in my opinion, the first way to demonstrate that is to do what's uncomfortable, which is get up early in the morning and get all the things that you need to get done before distractions Mm -hmm. hit. Because come priest to president, at 8 a.m. is when the distractions start every day, right? So when you get up at 4 in the morning, what's your, what's your, what is your routine? I go to the gym. You go to the gym? I go to the gym. Okay. That's my, uh, I can't go in the afternoon because of distractions. I can't yeah. go in the day because of distractions. And, and it's something that's important to me. So I, um, I get up and do it first thing in the morning. Why yeah. is it important to you to go to the gym? Uh, it's my health. It, your it's health. where I get my energy. I do all my thinking. Uh, you know, I'll do 30 minutes of cardio. And that's when I do a lot of my thinking. You know, it's I, I don't I don't listen to the news either. Yeah. Uh, they have got the TVs going, but I I get in my zone, and that's when I do my deep thinking. And I mean, a lot of times I'll say, "This came to me on the treadmill," you know, <laughs> <laughs> because that's when I I, I do I, I check out at five go, o'clock in the morning I, I, I <laughs> before to, anybody else is awake. I go to right? another world. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm in another world on that, and. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, man, you were doing some serious thinking. <laughs> I said, I can tell by your face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just processing. My brain is just processing thoughts and ideas. Does your brain ever shut down? Uh, usually about 930 at night. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hit the bed and you probably go down like a darted rhino. I, 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 I have yeah. one of those, uh, the thing that measures my sleep. And I'm usually out within two to three minutes. Yeah. And uh, I sleep solid through the night, and then, you know, 4.20, 4.15, I'm up and going. I don't snooze the alarm or anything. Yeah. I get up and go. Make my bed and go. <laughs> and then here it is. 
getting up at four in the morning, you're at the gym by a minimum of 5 a.m., then what happens? You finish the gym, what do you do? I go home, shower, uh, get a bite to eat, and I'm back in the office by 7.30. You're back in the office by uh-huh. 7.30. In the and morning. Then, now I'm there until 7 30, 8 o'clock at night. I'm trying to back that off. Uh, yeah. So, but it takes time once you have businesses and get them going right. Yeah. What is, so what would you say internally as a driver for you? To, I mean, that's a lot to manage. I mean, I know owning one restaurant and, and I don't even have to do anything because Jeremy's awesome at Jer- Jeremy W, is what I'll call him. Jer- so Jeremy Washburn, Jeremy W, w he just, he, he rocks it, but still, when you're the owner, it's always in the back of your mind of like, hey, you know, at the end of the day, I'm holding the bag on this, right? And thank God I have somebody as reliable as him doing what he's doing. I can't imagine having four of these things and an insurance company that cumulatively between the two, you've got what, 110 employees, right? So that's 110 souls that you have to worry about Every single day. 110 it's, kids, as I like to call it. Kids? <laughs> My children. <laughs> They're your children. They're, you're, like, you're like dad. Yeah. You know, you're, you're making sure. And then when COVID hits and the world's falling apart, what was that? I mean, like when the world was falling apart, you know, and it happened in a matter of seconds, right? And you have 110 employees, 110 kids, people that you care about. What goes through your mind in that moment when March 2020 hits? Um, well, a couple of things was taking care of the, my, my, my team members to make sure they're safe, their families are okay. Uh, I came out with, I mean, uh, people love or hate masks, whatever. You yeah. know, I'm not going to go there. But as a restaurant owner, before the shutdown, the lockdown even came, I put masks on everybody. I yeah. said, you know, I don't want us, I don't want the close interaction. I don't want team members spreading it to team members. I don't want us spreading it to our guests. And so I didn't, I'm not a doctor. I'm an accounting major. I'm a Marine. I'm yeah. not a scientist. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my first thing was put gloves on everybody uh, and uh, mask up. And that will see if that will not help. And it did. And our, our sales actually went up. Uh, we were one of the only. We were the first ones in all the cities that I were in to have mask on, and I think the people realized that. And we had a lot of people commenting, "Thank you for having a mask on, being around our food." It's a way to say, "Hey, we're we're looking out for the safety of your food." And uh, our, in the insurance office, we um, we got the um, partition things off the lobby, and we don't let people come back in the offices anymore. We just meet with them out in the lobby that way to help uh, spread narrow the spread of going through the office or something like that. And we mask everyone up. And, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate uh, in the restaurants. We haven't had, we had, we've had, I think, three cases of COVID uh, in the, and that was not until July and August um, when people were were getting, excuse me, very relaxed about stuff. And it was, you know, it's the younger people. They're they're going to these parties and stuff like that and not being... Not being prudent. Yeah. So, um, but. Um, so out of 110 we've employees. Had, we've had three cases. Less than 3%. Yeah. That's pretty. And that was five months, at four and five months into the, the crisis. That's pretty good. We've, we'll have more cases of flu than that 
uh, normally. You yeah. know, when normally restaurants, when someone gets sick, it goes to the whole restaurant. And this hasn't been the case this year. Our, our you know, um, the number of people we've had out sick for flu and cold is down. And it, uh, I can't help but think it's probably because of the extra precautions that we're taking. People are washing their hands. People are washing their hands now, right? more. You know, and I think this yeah. this winter, I think it'll be interesting to see how the flu cases hopefully will be down because everyone's washing their hands more. So, so when I went on this dove hunting trip, um, one of the guys is an oral surgeon. That man, you know, he's. It, this is not meant to be a political topic or anything else, but I noticed he just when we stopped at a store, he wasn't wearing a mask. And so I was curious, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, a, and you know me, I'm probably yeah. the least judgmental person on the planet. I'm more curious by things than anything else. And I asked him, I said, you're a doctor, why aren't you wearing a mask? And he goes, look, as long as you keep a distance, safe yeah. distance for people, and you wash your hands, that's what's going to reduce the risk. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm sitting here thinking, man, this is, this is a guy who's a doctor. So, I mean, he's the scientist behind knowing more than I would ever know about it. And, and it was really funny because one of the things that we incorporated a couple of years ago at the restaurant was gloves because I couldn't get people to be cognizant about washing their hands. Now, they were washing their hands. So I'm going to be wrong. There was no bad things going on, people yeah. not washing their hands. But I wanted people to, like, always be washing their hands. Like, man, as soon as you walk by a sink, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. And it was just... Difficult. So I compensated and just bought gloves, right? And gloves are expensive. Oh, yeah. Ours just yeah. doubled. Yeah. And then now, gloves are becoming a shortage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, PPE gear, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but the trade-off that COVID had, right? Obstacle is the way, is my employees are washing their hands constantly. Mm-hmm. So, well... Everybody sees COVID as a bad thing. I can't help but think that there's a lot of people in this world, like yourself and myself, that said, wait a minute, let's, the obstacle is the way. This is the obstacle. What good comes out of this, right? So let's talk about that for a second is I want to be sensitive of your time here. Okay, so we're doing, we're doing okay. We got plenty of time here. Um, So I call the current world we're living in the post-pandemic protesting, rioting, election year trifecta. Like, I mean, throw it all in one bucket, man. And I mean, and it's, and people are ended up in one of two camps, trying to survive or thriving. You're thriving. So tell me about a pre- pandemic world in a post-pandemic world, and what are the differences for you as an owner of several businesses? The, well, like I already talked about, the, the hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I use it as an opportunity to, to grab better and more talent. Yeah. Um, use it as an uh, example of, uh, you know, we're going forward. It, uh, there is chaos in the rest of the world, and so we keep plowing through. We don't slow down. We don't put pause. We don't hit the brake. We go hit the accelerator and go right through. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what we're doing with uh, insurance. We've come out with some, uh, we've developed some niche markets 
and uh, we're hiring for those. And, um, you know, just taking advantage of the situation to better prepare us to move forward while everyone else is crawling under their desk, hiding, wondering if they're going to be here, what they're going to do next. Well, we've got a plan and we're executing it. Yeah. And um, chart, uh, going forward. So March of this year, right? We're watching the news. We're seeing what's going on. We're watching New York shut down. Then we see Dallas County shut down. And then it's hitting Tarrant County. You know, Mayor Betsy saying, y'all stay home. In that moment, when when the reality of where what was happening in the world, what goes through your mind in that moment? To be honest, um, when it when they started shutting everything down like that, I, I was worried. I was worried that they were going to just close the restaurants totally. Yeah. Um, fortunate for us, we have drive through. Yeah. Everyone knows Chicken Express has a drive through. Um, post. Um, Post pandemic, we were doing 65, 70% of our business through the drive through. Uh, afterwards, you know, we're hit, we're doing 100%, and uh, our sales are up. Um, the first two weeks of the pandemic, um, the, the lockdown, uh, the sales went down, and we realized we knew it was going to happen. Uh, people were scared. People didn't know what was going on. Um, and then afterwards, we said two weeks into it, people are going to get. Two, three weeks, they're going to get tired of being at home. They're going to start coming out and going through the drive-thru. And sure enough, that's what they did. And uh, our sales have just gone, kept going up. And so, um, you know, it's just, you got to keep going forward. Just, we've worked on training. We've refined our um, processes for the drive-thrus to get them down. So our we are back to running, even with the higher volume, uh, we're doing two to three minute wait times, you know, which is pretty, pretty quick. So you've got four Chicken Express franchises, and the Stewart family started this, right? Yes. So what was it? What was their role in this to the owners? I mean, were they active? Well, they were. They were. They were uh, you know, they had said we've got to it, follow the follow your local guidelines. I mean, Chicken Ease. There's 250 locations, so you've yeah. got you know, multiple counties and multiple states that you're having to follow your specific, like Har- we're in Harris County, uh, one of my locations is, so we had to follow Harris County. And then the Chambers County right beside them had totally different guidelines. And so, you know, you're having to figure out which apply to, which rule applies here and there. You yeah. know? So it's, it's kind of a, it was kind of a mess because no one knew what was going on. Yeah. The, the the counties were, were you know reacting with de- a lack of data, making decisions without data. Yeah, and so uh, you know it was a kind of wild west. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I know for me, um, you know, we were we were in Colorado at the time. We had just there was a lot of annoying things that have happened during COVID, right? So, um, you know, we just bought our second home up in Colorado and we were taking a U-Haul full of stuff up there to put in the new house. And, um, and Maggie, our daughter's spring break was coming up. So we were, the plan was drive up Friday with this U-Haul and then Maggie being in Fort Collins, they had a direct flight to Santa Fe. Santa Fe is where we cut through her flying to Santa Fe, we pick her up in Santa Fe, we go into Colorado, 
that Friday, spend spring break until the Sunday after next, and then as we're driving back, drop her off in Santa Fe to catch a flight. So the world's ramping up, right? And um, and nobody knows, you know, no no nobody knows anything, right? And we're all and, I, and it's funny is I don't see myself as a fear driven, a fear based person, no. but definitely fear driven, right? Um, I don't let fear rule my world, but fear definitely plays a part in what the drivers are going to be because especially the unknowns. It's kind of like Coach Tony, right? He says, you know, agreement creates, clarity creates agreement, agreement builds trust. And then unanswered questions create confusion, confusion creates fear, fear doesn't get anything done. So this confusion and no one's really got any answers and Laura looks at me and says, do we put Maggie on a plane? And I said, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to drive up Thursday and drop this U-Haul off full of stuff. And then Friday morning, we're going to jet over to Fort Collins, which is like five, six hour drive from Pagosa Springs. And we pick her up and she's just the sense of relief on Maggie of like, man, thank you for not putting me on a flight, which is also funny because we would have had to because we were trying to cancel the flight, couldn't get through to anybody, but it didn't matter as they canceled the flight anyways because yeah. the whole world was going crazy, right? I mean, it's kind of like after 9-11 when just planes stopped running. Yeah. Like, nobody knows. Like, let's just, let's just stop everything instead of figuring it out, right? So we get we get back to, you know, we asked the college, hey, you know, or, you know what's going to happen? Are the kids going to come back? Do we need to do anything? They're like, oh, we'll figure it out. And then 24 hours later, Saturday, you know, after we wake up in the morning, they're like, oh, yeah, well, hey, kids aren't going to come back. You need to come empty the dorm room. And I'm like, really? You could have saved me like a six-hour drive 24 left. hours early. <laughs> and so um, we end up going back the following weekend to empty your dorm room. And uh, and luckily, I got an old Marine Corps buddy, uh, Jack Sutherland, still in the Marines. He's recruiting duty. And Marine Corps buddy of mine, thank God he had a house there with like an ad normally large garage with an extra bay we could drop some stuff off and then and then drove back but you know when we were making that drive or so for me my processing time is when i'm on the road like people go why do you you know because as you know we yeah. we spend about half our time here half our time in because springs colorado and everybody's like well you're on vacation half the time and i always laugh i'm like uh no i was like Fans the, never only on vacation. the only difference is I get to work in 75-degree weather versus 110-degree weather back here, right? Because I'll come back for two weeks, get business driven up, and then work on it for two weeks there. But on that 12-hour drive, because it's 12-hour doorstep, doorstep, that's where I do my processing and my thinking, right? It's just something about being on the road and just thinking through things. And I remember, you know, they hadn't shut down Tarrant County yet, and I'm driving up there, and, you know, I've got— Laura with me, and and during that moment, while a lot of people were trying to figure out what they were going to do with their lives, the only thing I could think about was, what are the opportunities? Mm -hmm. Where can we seize the moment instead of doing what a lot of the world did, which was sit on the couch and watch Netflix and Hulu, right? And I was like, no, I— there are opportunities. What are they? And I was just going through the gears of my head to just go, how do we execute? 
How do we, you know, the obstacle is the way. You can't do anything about it, right? Control is a funny thing. People want to control things in their life that they have zero control over. And I just, and then it was going through my mind of other successful folks like yourself and that I, I was like, I wonder what's going on in their mind right now. Because I know the successful people weren't scared of this. We're concerned for a lot of things, but at the same time, we were like excited. I mean, did, did you have any of those type of feelings? Oh, yeah. Or, I mean, I, I was know. the whole, I mean, I just 30 days before and listened to the obstacle is the way. So mm-hmm. I was, my whole brain was turning. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, I was telling our salespeople, don't, uh, the insurance agency, don't, you know, don't crawl under the desk. This is a time to go out and help people, talk to them about their policies, and people are going to be looking to save money. Uh, and they want to understand their policies. This is a, a time to uh, educate people yeah. on insurance and uh, let them understand what they have or and what we offer. Yeah. And uh, you know, our monkey, our logo is uh, insurance people that uh, care insurance that works and for the insurance agency. And uh, we truly believe that we 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 are we have great insurance and our people care about our clients. And um, so, tell me more about that. Is the insurance industry is a lot of competition in that space, right? A lot of competition. You're, you're being flooded with right. literally billions of dollars from Geico, um, Progressive, uh, and all these other big companies on, you know, call us. Uh, we'll give you 15 minutes of your, your time. Uh, for some people, 15 minutes is all they really need to spend on insurance. But mm-hmm. for people with assets, uh, with things that are worth protecting, they need to spend more than 15 minutes. Uh, you need to know as a business owner, you need to know that if uh, someone, if Sally is taking the bank deposit at night and God forbid she has a wreck and she only has state minimum limits, you know, or her liabilities, you know, $50,000 and she kills someone and they come back and sue her well, for a death, you're going to have a million dollar lawsuit. Yeah. So you come back, she had $50,000 policy and they find out, well, she was working for this business, you know, say she was working for old school. Yeah. And uh, then they come back and sue old school. Well, if Mm -hmm. you didn't have hired and non-owned on your policy, which means anything that you own as a hired and non-owned as a business, um, you're not going to be covered. So you're going to, you're going to write that check hired and non-owned hundred dollar endorsement for the year. Ain't it covered you? Yeah. You know, so uh, the thing with insurance is the you've got to know your client. You've got to know their operation, what they do, and have a conversation with them and let them decide what what level of risk they're willing to take. And uh, you can't do that when you talk to someone for fifteen minutes. You right. Know, you have to you have to care about them. We don't have a uh, a phone tree that answers. It does if we're if we're. Uh, Closed, right? Um, but uh, you know, someone's going to pick up that phone, and you're going to know the person that you're dealing with. It's not a random call-in person. Um, you know, it's like y'all. People know who they're dealing with whenever they call in. Yeah. You know, they're not going to get a random sent to someone else, and the next time you call in, sent to someone else, and you have to tell your whole story again. You know, we we're involved with our clients. We care about them, and we want them to succeed, and we want to be part of their success. So would you say that's your key differentiator or what, what, what if, if not, what, what is your key differentiator? I mean, that, the, the, our customer service differentiates us. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we, we represent Travelers, Hartford, uh, State Auto, Progressive, uh, Nationwide, 
um, Liberty Mutual. We have all that. We represent all the big companies, but our, our service from our office is what gives us the advantage over everybody else. Yeah. No, definitely. You, you know, I think back to a number, you know, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you, you know, exactly where I'm going with this is so the previous general manager of old school goes on vacation, has the bills in his visor, forgets to put him in the mail. And here it is, the insurance company we had at the time, right? And this is when that big snowstorm hit the Metroplex. I mean, like nobody was driving on the roads because it was like, six inches of ice everywhere, right? Matter of fact, the only cars you saw were in the ditches, right? Yeah. I mean, it was just, you remember that, right? right? So the outdoor patio, the ice had collapsed. it, And so I told GM, I said, call the insurance and um, see if what our deductible is. Maybe we can get this fixed. And that particular insurance company said, oh, well, y'all missed your last payment, so we canceled your insurance, which basically they probably wouldn't have had we not called in a claim, right? But my big concern was, okay, well, how long have we been operating a restaurant that serves alcohol that we haven't been covered by insurance? What could have happened? So I called you, right? And I was just like, man, what, what do I do here? And you're like, let's get you insured. Let's take care of everything. And then I think it was a year later, he forgets to make the payment again. Just whatever's going on with whatever's going on. And then, but you made sure that the payment got made. And you're like, hey, Baba, you got to pay your bills. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and of course, I was very annoyed with the situation and the current leadership at the time and just going, look, we just, we, we do this, right? We, this is what we do. But knowing that you were watching after us was just this, it's, it's more than a transaction. It's a relationship. Yeah. Because I know that your intent is to have insurance. Yeah. So we're going to call you say, hey, you know, problems happen in the mail. Someone did do it. A payment. Oh, Things man. happen. And then, like, here recently, in the last six weeks, no car wrecks, nothing. Everything's good to go. And my poor wife, we're driving out to Colorado. Um uh, this was in July. 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 It was July. We're yeah. driving out. We're in my truck. And we get up pretty early. We generally get up at like 3 in the morning. And so I'll drive for a while. And then when we hit Amarillo, we'll stop and get something to eat. And then I'll jump in the back and take a nap for a while while Laura drives. And then I'll jump back up and go, right? Because she'll sleep for the first couple of hours while we're on the road. I sit up. Because I just woke up, and I'm kind of getting my wits. I mean, I wasn't even awake 30 seconds, and I look over to see in her side mirror, all of a sudden, boom, the tire explodes. And it was like, I think it was like $8,000 worth of damage. Blowout that causes $8,000 worth of damage. So we pull over, change the tire, we make it into Santa Fe, and I was just like, man, this truck's not going to make it. There's something going on. So good insurance. We leave it there, we get a rental, go to Colorado for a couple of weeks, come back. And it actually worked out. You know, COVID had slowed so many things down that normally what would have taken them, 
five days to fix. Took them like three weeks, which yeah. was no big deal. And so we come back through Santa Fe, pick up the vehicle. Then we're back here for a couple of weeks and then we go back. And a lot of times, Laura only comes back every other time. <laughs> Getting her out of Colorado is like trying to extract a tooth from somebody. And so I come back a week early because uh, it was going on that dove hunting trip with the guys. And uh, so she comes back this last Thursday and she's an hour and a half from home. She's got both dogs and the cat hydroplanes, turns into a full spin, goes off the road. We're a week from turning her car in on a lease. And then now it's like a couple of thousand dollars of damage. But point being is, you know, because, I mean, as soon as she called me, I literally get a call from you because she called me and then she called you and then you called me and you're like, you want me to go with you? And I was like, nah, man, I'm already on the road. I'm <laughs> heading up there to meet her. But it was just that comfort of knowing that something just happened, but I don't have to worry about it because that's taken care of, yeah. right? And and I think that's a common theme with um, folks that are successful is don't be cheap, right? You get what you pay for yep. and have things covered, you know? So like, like you, you're in my fave five, right? So not just because you're my insurance guy, but is uh, I learned a long time ago is have five advisors in your world. Kind of like, I think it was T-Mobile that had it. It was like your faith five. Yeah, the, perfect, you can call them yeah, unlimited. Exactly. Now everybody can call unlimited, right? But have those five advisors that are not industry related that you can call upon. You know, So I've got those five folks and you're in that five of people that I depend on to go I want to remove myself from as much decision-making as possible so that way I can focus on vision and driving business. And so when I come across something comp that's complicated, I don't have to sit there and, I mean, I'm naturally going to do it because my brain's a deductive thinker anyways, that I'm going to try to work through it, but I can call upon the five trusted people that I have in my world to go, here's the scenario, man. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Right. And and then getting that, you know, perspective, perspective, perspective. Yeah. So, you know, and it makes me think of like EO, right? Yeah. Entrepreneurs organization where, you know, when I found out about it and then you were like, I'm an EO. Right. So you follow me. Yeah, you I follow do. me. You follow me to TCU. Because you're so follow. good. Yeah, you're so good at what you do, man. You're like a Marine Corps leader. I'm just going to be like a little puppy dog and fall along the way. And then so entrepreneurs organization for the world out there listening. What is what is EO? Uh, EO is uh, it's a great uh, way to continue learning. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an international organization uh, with chapters all over the um, the world. Uh, the Fort Worth chapter has about, what, 100 members? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we have monthly speakers come in uh, and talk about things, but the, the hallmark is the forum. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, some people in my forum. We meet once a month for five hours, four hours, mm -hmm. and it's like having your own board of directors. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, also like having attorney-client privilege. What goes on in your forum uh, stays in forums. It's like Fight Club. First yeah. rule of Fight Club, don't talk, talk about, about Fight, fight Club. club. Exactly. Second rule of Fight Club, don't talk about yeah. Fight Club. And uh, you can talk about anything in there. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a sounding board. It's a great sounding board. 
we all have as business owners we all have the exact same problems they're yeah. they're just manifested and we might call it something different but it all comes down to the the same basic problems yeah. and uh we uh, uh it's everything's done in gestalt uh, which is i don't give you advice i give experience i experience share and tell you something that i might have that related to that and that allows you to form your own opinion or your own decision without uh, me telling you what to do. That creation of clarity through hearing other mm-hmm. experiences. And then along the way, I found this great executive coach. You did. You did. I did follow you there. So, uh, you know, so you it was your turn, to, every, be, it was your turn to follow exactly. the leader, right? <laughs> Man, so I got to tell you, and, and actually, um, um, Tony's going to do it be on the podcast too we're going to do a recording for our weekly meeting instead of week meeting uh-huh. is i always joke around i'm like you know i pay a guy 30 grand a year to tell me everything my wife will tell me for free but you listen when you spend 30 grand a year <laughs> and uh and so having an executive coach for me was it just a man it was a, it was exactly what i needed mm-hmm. Because if there's anything we can both agree on, Tony is not going to tell you what you want to hear. No. He's going to tell you the stuff that you really don't want to hear, and it really pisses you off sometimes, right? Like, I don't want to talk about this. And so it was really funny. As Laura wasn't, 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 you know, I mean, Laura's in charge of the budget, right? I mean, she's a lawyer by education. She's a detail-oriented person, and there's a budget. And when she found out what we were going to spend on executive coach, she's like, we don't need to spend this. She was really annoyed with it. And then now, almost two years later, any major decisions, you know, that, you know, aside from using the Fay Five, you know, advisors of people I have in my world that I trust, is she's like, run that by Tony. Run that by Tony. See what Tony thinks. I mean, so it's just really yeah. kind of funny how full circle it came, but um, so then I've got Tony, and I was like, he said, hey, I've got an opening if you know anybody that needs a coach, and I was like, I got the guy for you, and then boom, you get Tony. Tell me tell me about that, having a coach. I'd had a coach before, yeah. and so you have to find one that really is, uh, that, uh, that gets you, yeah. and uh, you get them, and uh, so when you told me about Tony, it was a uh, it was it was perfect as a as a match. His uh comes from an ar- army background. His dad was a, a command sergeant, sergeant major, major yeah, command yeah. sergeant major for thirty yeah. something years, and uh, so he gets military. You know, he yeah. he speaks our language, and yeah. so uh, it's just been great, uh, giving me a lot of clarity um, because I'm I bounce from place to place, yeah, uh, and sometimes I don't think about communicating, yeah, you know, I just. I, I just expect people to read my mind, I guess. But uh, he's helped me uh, communicate uh, my intentions and to uh, give clarity. And we're working on that for the restaurants and for um, the insurance agency. And yeah. uh, it's really given us the foundation for 2020. We've been planning and everything. With, it's helped me bring in all my leaders and help com- me get, be a better communicator with them so they can go and do my intent. And I'm, 2021 is going to be an incredible year for, yeah. for both organizations. I'm looking forward to it. So I got to ask you, because I know what the answer is for me. 
What is the hardest question Tony's asked you that you were like, oh, I don't know that I want to answer this or I don't know the answer to it. Or what would you say was the hardest question he's asked you? I couldn't, I, I couldn't say specifically he asked a yeah. lot of hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, you know, and we've, yeah, there was one, I forgot exactly what it was that he asked me. And um, he said, that hit a nerve, didn't it? And I said, yeah, it did. Yeah. And I said, and I told him, I said, more, this is the reason I'm, you know, and I answered one way and he was kind of shocked. And I'm like, but there was a backstory yeah. to that. And I told him offline yeah. of what that was. And he said, oh, that's why you, you know, yeah. but uh, it, uh, he, he puts me, uh, pulls me out of my comfort zone. Yeah, and uh, that's that's the biggest thing is that he'll pull me out of the comfort zone and uh, ask me hard questions, uh, get me thinking a different way. Um, I mean, not always. It's just I, I respect uh, his opinion. His wisdom uh, is incredible, yeah. and uh, his insight. And um, you know, he's been there. He's a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, multiple companies also over the last 30 years. And he started in the restaurant business. Yeah. So he, he gets everything that, that I have and he's been there, done that. And, you know, I come in and, and say, well, I have an idea. And he just starts laughing. So, you know, <laughs> well, I, I wondered when you're going to think about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, um, it's just uh, incredible to have him, yeah. have, have him, you know, lead me and uh, coach me. So for me, the hardest question he asked me was about six months ago. So I've had Tony for almost two years, right? And I really value the, the concept of having a coach, right? I mean, top performing athletes have a coach. Mm-hmm. Pitchers have a pitching coach. You know, quarterbacks have a quarterback coach. You know, I mean, everybody's got a coach. coach. I mean, if you're going to be at the top of your game, you need someone that's helping you perform at a higher level. And Tony's certainly done that for us, right? And But he asked me the hardest question ever been asked and I mean it was terrifying um, and I mean more terrifying than anything I ever saw in the Marines or the police department or me and my own stupidity of doing whatever he said what do you do for personal enjoyment and I was like well you know I mean I, I like to go shooting sporting clays I like to go do this I like to travel and he goes no not hobbies what do you do for Jeremy Spann that gives you like personal fulfillment? And I had no answer because I've spent the better part of getting closer to 50 now. Let's call it almost five decades of always doing for others or doing for business that I never really focused on me, yeah. right? I mean, I've always just been this engine that's going, going, mm-hmm. going, going, going. And I never even stopped to think about it. And he's just like, this is important because you're, we're entering this stage in life where we're not going to work forever. And, you know, when the music stops, do you really want to be left without a chair? And what does that chair look like? And it just, and I still don't know. Here it is six months later. It's like this soul searching thing. It's like, what do I, you know, what do I do for personal enjoyment? But those were good, hard questions, the type of questions that he asked, because if you're not good with you, how can you be a top performer for the people, the 110 employees that you have? 
if you can't do you, right? Mm-hmm. And so having that that coach has helped me, as you say, step out of the comfort zone mm-hmm. and create success. And so I've always cared about people, right? I mean, guys like you and I wouldn't go in the Marines if we didn't care about mm-hmm. this country. I wouldn't have spent almost 20 years with Fort Worth Police Department if I didn't care about the citizens. Um, but one thing that we lack in a lot of times, guys like you and I, is empathy, right? And it's just because, <laughs> well, just we're hardwired to be like, go, go, go. And one of the things I learned from Tony is that while I've always cared about people, I wasn't loving on them enough, which is really funny. My wife laughed. She was like, man, being a U.S. Marine and being a police officer doing the number of things that I did as a police officer, seeing all the things I've seen, that it's a weird concept for her to hear me saying, we got to love on them some more. Because really, at the end of the day, we don't want to see chaos. Now, if you bring chaos to my door, oh, it's game time. We'll deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. But I prefer it not to be that way. I'd rather be loving on people and taking care of things. And it changed the dynamics of our of our team, you know, not just with the real estate side of things, but the restaurant, you know, and, and Jeremy and taking, you know, Hey, what, you know, how are you doing? You know, not the restaurant. How are you doing? How is your wife doing? How are your kids doing? And it wasn't that I didn't care before. It was just, I didn't stop to be vocal about it. And that is important to people nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that was, you know, key thing. Yeah, we've I've um, pulled from the Marine Corps, and uh, as a Marine Corps officer, we took America's uh, sons and daughters. Yeah. And uh, if they came in for four years or they stayed for twenty, you know, they're eventually going back to the civilian population. Yeah. As a Marine Corps officer, your goal was to make them a better person. So if yeah. they stayed for four years or they stayed for twenty, whenever they went back, they're a better person. And that's how I've taken with my businesses. Uh, looked at it that way. I've hired coaching and, and we do a lot of leadership training for uh, the stores and the insurance agency because uh, I feel very blessed. Um, I feel very blessed to have the education that I've had, uh, to have the experiences that I've had, to have the uh, travel the world, see different perspectives, um, you know, Marine Corps leadership training. And uh, I just feel very blessed. And so I feel like that I, I, I want to give that back to people that I'm around. I want to help them become a better person. And uh, through leadership development and coaching, uh, you know, the insurance agency and my stores, we've had people that were this level of a leader jump up to here. And it's it's so rewarding to see them grow individually and to become something that I see them to be that they haven't seen in themselves. And uh, a lot of that's just self-awareness and uh, to help them step up and be that next level that, that they never even knew might be there and to open their eyes and to help them see a way forward. It's just, it's, that's the best job satisfaction that you can get is to, to grow a person, to be something that they didn't know how to get to, but you saw it in them. Yeah. No. And that's where I feel like I, you know, like now being in the real estate industry, right? is I got to serve my country as a Marine. I got to serve my city as a police officer. And now I get to serve my clients in making sure that they get the best 
that they can get when buying or selling real estate. And this became even more of a focal point for me because I really feel like just through conversations, you know, I'm, I'm still a humanate guy, right? I like that human intelligence mm-hmm. that's coming in, listening to people, hearing what they say, and how people are not a fan. How many people are not fans of people in the real estate industry because agents have failed them for decades? Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, you had to have an agent because they were the only ones with the yeah. access. Then technology changed that. And time and time again, people are just like, I just don't feel like I'm being represented right. Mm-hmm. And that's why this podcast gave me a platform to accomplish a number of things. One, first and foremost, I want people to tune in each week to hear great successful stories of people that got into the grind like yourself and then just went from being, hey, it came from, you know, not a silver spoon fed, you know, well-to-do family, but earned everything I got along the way. And this is what I had to go do Mm -hmm. it, right? So I want people to tune in for that. And then as they're listening is to hear how you're helping your clients, you know, whether it be with the chicken expresses or the insurance realm. And then for us to be able to articulate like, hey, we're here to help you in the real estate industry, but I can't be everywhere at once. So how do I touch the entire world? I touch it with a podcast Mm -hmm. and people that tune in and go, Hey, I want to buy and or and or sell some real estate in XYZ part of the country. They could tune in, go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com and click on the link, fill that out. And we're going to connect them with a great agent. And we do that by doing all the vetting. Like we go through, we ask all the hard questions of like, why does an agent in this area deserve the business that other agents don't? Because this person I know is going to take care of that client. And so this gives us a platform for helping anybody anywhere. And like we said earlier in podcasts, we've been the number one producers for Breakthrough and Sotheby's and outgoing referrals because we're able to connect people with people they can trust to look after their mm-hmm. financial interests, right? Because that's what it is. It's about helping people. If you do more for others, th- the benefits you get in return are just above and beyond, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole, it's, it's not about the money. It's about, about helping people and caring yeah. for them. Trust and is the currency trust. of business. Trust yeah. is the currency of business, not money. And that's what we want. We want to create an industry of trust. So just like, you know, just like here. So, so insurance, and I know we're getting close to, to time here. So insurance in the real estate world, like, what do you, I mean, those two pretty much align, right? Because yeah. people own our properties. What do you, from an insurance perspective, what are you seeing on the real estate side of the world? I mean, good, bad. I mean, well, the pandemic, you're going to have a different for commercial property, uh, you know, for yeah. as big uh, office buildings and stuff like that. You're going to see more things go to like where we are today, um, you know, shared space. Yeah. Um, a lot more people working from home. People have discovered that they can work from home and be productive. So that's going to change the dynamic. Um, more people are going to be buying uh, homes because. They don't want to be so condensed in an apartment. They want to have their space. You know, people are going to build outdoor 
they're going to spend more time in their yards and they're like they used to, you know, used to have the houses have big porches on them and people got on them and lived on the front porches. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. houses these days don't have big front porches. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the, they're they, smaller. Nobody wants to answer the door, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you're, you're going to start seeing that. You're going to, I, th- I think you'll see more the real estate market in Texas, especially because people are coming here because People want to get away from the big cities. I think you're going to yeah. find the smaller towns, a more a country people are moving away from the big cities where all the commotions going on, basically. Yeah, and that, that worries people. Yeah, so it's you know they're going to, you're going to see people moving out in the farther areas. Yeah, so um, let's turn back. One last question, and then. Let's turn back the hands of time. You get to go back and talk to 22-year-old self. What do you tell 22-year-old self that didn't know then what you know now? I mean, I know there's probably a plethora of things, but what's probably your biggest takeaway from your success that if you could go back and say, hey, grab them by the ears and say, listen to this one thing. Could, that, you, could that be a stock pick? let's let's give it to success right you know know, stock picks would be great right like back to the future future. whenever he goes and he gets the magazine it shows all the winning plays but if you could go back and talk to 22 year old self what do you what do you tell 22 year old self what's one thing you would tell 22 year old self hey don't lose focus of this or pay attention to this or know this, whatever that thing would be. Man, manage your time. Manage your time. Okay. But if you manage it, the better you manage your time, the more you can get done. Yeah. And as you said, you don't get more time. Yeah. You, you don't get more time. You just have to manage it. Yeah. That's you make your own space. Time. The clock, man. We're always racing against mm-hmm. this thing. Yeah. That's, that's key. Well, man. So people listening to this, they need some insurance. How do they how do they get in touch with you? What's, um, what's the website, phone the number? The website is yeah. marshallyoung.com. Marshallyoung.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, you can call us 817-645-9155. And, uh, you know, we do home, auto, uh, business, commercial. Um, we do all the toys, the boats, ATVs. Uh, we do rental properties, commercial buildings, um, you know, we do we do everything for personal and um, businesses. So that's great. And what we're going to do too is we're going to, you know, not only are these podcasts going to go out on you know podcasts and on our YouTube channel, Winning Strategies Playbook. I mean, that's what we're calling it, right? You know, because we love strategy, we love winning, yep. and we want to give the playbook for other people. Like like I tell my nephew, it's like I want to give you. You know, when we say experience, really what that means is how much stuff we screwed up (laughs) to get to where we're at. Is I'm like, I want to give you all my experience so you can go make new mistakes. You Mm -hmm. can go above and beyond, you know, where where we wherever I I, I had succeeded at. So and uh, so winning, you know, my experience realtor.com is, you know, the website where we're gonna have these podcasts and we'll have that information for people to click on and can come to you. I I I can tell the audience out there. I mean, I have absolutely trusted you with handling everything from the restaurant business to home to our second home to autos to 
my daughter's auto, which she hits everything under the sun. I mean, that car, thank goodness it's built like a tank because it literally looks like a crushed tin can with as much stuff as she had. Matter of fact, just as kind of an ending segue is I went out to look at her car one day. She'd hit something else. And I says, here's what I want you to do. I was like, you see that pole across the street? She said, yeah. I said, I want you to throw it in reverse. And I want you to hit this back left bumper on it. She goes, why? And I was like, because it's the only damn thing that hadn't been hit on this. <laughs> Let's just make it a full circle, right? Let's just have everything damaged on it. But no, you've always taken care of us. You've always given us that, you know, that comfort of that security that we don't have to worry about. And I appreciate you taking the time. You know, like I said, time's that commodity. You can't mm-hmm. buy more of. You can't get a refund on it once spent. And man, I really appreciate your time and coming on. Thank you for what you've done for our country, you know, being a United States Marine and, uh, man, just thank you for everything. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, uh, post on the website for marshallyounginsurance.com, right? Marshallyoung.com. Marshallyoung.com. And, uh, uh, give me this, give us that phone number one more time. 817-845-645-9155. Give John a call. It, we probably talk someone in his office, but if you want to talk to him that bad, I'm sure he'll call you. But you know, it is man. Someone thanks. answers the phone there. It's someone not a answers voice the phone, not <laughs> phone a voice tree. tree. <laughs> man, thanks again for coming on. And thank you, man. Looking forward to our next movie we go see. Uh, I don't know what's going to roll out next, but man, it was sure fun to go see a movie. It was. Again. It was great to get back. Yeah. I just I couldn't miss the previews. Yeah, I told Laura I was like, "We're not missing the previews." So you know, so I walked in right when Bond was going. Oh I yeah, stopped yeah, yeah, yeah. You stopped, and you were just it was like a bug going towards the light, right? <laughs> so thanks again, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. All right.